You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers. The list goes on and on. If you've got a question about anything at all, pick up the phone, give me a call. Um, This past Sunday on the show, I had a really good discussion with uh, a caller named Chris. Some people may have called it a debate. Some people may have called it an argument. I thought it was just a really good discussion. It it was about how much brokers take, and um, uh, Chris thought that maybe I should use my platform here uh, to, to bring that issue to light. And it's something I've been talking about for many, many years, even before I had a radio show, but I have a little different opinion. And when it comes to topics like this, that's all there are, are opinions. There aren't any really facts about what's right or wrong. Nobody can really say what a right amount of profit for any business is. I'm sure as business owners, I know I don't want to be told how much profit I'm allowed to make. That's kind of the whole point. That's the whole challenge of running a business for me is to provide value to my customers. And when you provide value, you make profit. That's the beauty of how business works. The more value you provide to people, the more profit you make. I like that system. So there isn't anything right or wrong about this. We all have our opinions. I certainly have mine, and I have very strong opinions. The reason for that is I read a lot. I have a lot of facts. I have a lot of data that I form those opinions from, but they're still just my opinions. I can tend to be a little aggressive when I discuss or debate or argue about these things. I'm pretty passionate about it. But my real point in all of these types of discussions isn't necessarily to point out that anybody else is wrong. It's to say their thinking about many of these issues is wrong, and I point that out to help them. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care about me being right. I want to help people think better. And here's what I mean. There's another group, another trucking group that I've been seeing on Facebook a lot lately, posting a lot of uh, videos and articles, and I think they might even have a contest going on. I I don't know. But I I noticed a reoccurring theme in all of their posts. They're talking a lot about drivers not getting paid enough. This is another one of these issues. It's not right or wrong. If I say I think drivers are paid exactly what they're worth, and, and I believe that about a free market, no matter what the job is. For the most part, people in a free market are paid exactly what they're worth. If you want to get paid more, you need to figure out how to provide more value. 
Now, that doesn't reflect on your value as a person. I'm not criticizing or condemning anybody as a person. I'm talking about how much value you bring to the marketplace. And your pay will be determined on how much value you bring. Now, the value gets determined by how many other people can do what you do. And this is the problem drivers are always going to face. You're easy to replace. That, that's what it comes down to. You are easy to replace. Now, we may not replace you with somebody who is as good as you are, but the market doesn't care. The market in trucking, trucking's a commodity. All the market really cares about is did my freight make it to my dock? They don't really care too much. Now I'm generalizing, but they don't care too much what the driver looks like, what the truck looks like, how it got there. They don't really care much if you, you know, don't follow hours of service or your truck isn't DOT compliant as long as their freight made it to the dock. And because of that, drivers are pretty expendable. I mean, we have, we've had 100% turnover for how long? We keep finding new people to fill seats, and they fill them very cheap. And for most customers, shippers and receivers, they don't care if the guy has one month experience or 40 years experience. If their freight made it to the dock, that's all they care about. And that doesn't mean... It's right or wrong. I don't even want to spend any time on whether it's right or wrong. That's why I get so passionate about these kinds of arguments, because for 30 years, I've watched people complain that brokers make too much, owner-operators don't make enough, the rates are too low, the fuel prices are too high, drivers don't get paid enough. Well, in 30 years of complaining, as far as I can tell from most people, they feel like it's gotten worse, not better. We all know the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So I am, when I debate these issues, I'm not debating about what's right or wrong. I'm trying to get people to think differently. And here's the way I see all of these issues. And this isn't just trucking, this is life. You can change your behavior. The solution to these problems can only come from one place, and that is between your ears. You can't solve this problem for the industry. You can't solve this problem for the country. You can't solve this problem for anybody except you. And the, every minute we spend complaining is a minute we're spending not trying to solve the problem. You know, people have said, well, you, and I've gotten that this a lot before. You have a voice. You have a platform. You need to use your platform to make change. No, I don't. I worked very hard to get this platform. I worked very hard to be in a position to get people to think differently. That, that's all I really hope to do with this show. I don't really think I'm going to change anything in this industry except the way people think. And if I can do that, if I can change the way somebody thinks for the better, then I've been successful. To me, 
every minute I would use this platform complaining about issues like that would be a wasted minute. Now, don't get me wrong. If you listen to this show, you know I go off on rants once in a while. It feels good. You know, once in a while, we all need to vent. But if you pay attention, I usually finish that rant with what I think is a way to fix the problem for each one of us. I'm not going to run off to Washington and try to lobby for different rules and regulations. We have a group that's been doing that for 30 plus years. They've had a few successes here and there. It's not nearly as effective as changing your thinking and figuring out how you solve this problem for yourself. And we've had lots of examples. We had a a weekend where we discussed parking, and there's lots of groups running around saying there's this huge parking problem. Well, how long have we been hearing that? And I don't see anything getting better, and I don't see anything on the horizon that's going to change that. But we had a whole weekend where listeners to this show called in and said, look, yeah, it's sometimes tough finding parking spots, but it's not a problem in my operation. I've done this and this and this, and I don't have a problem anymore. That's what I try to focus on on this show. Results. Results for individuals. So if you listen to some of those things, you think I'm just arguing with people and trying to prove them wrong. I'm not. What I want to do is get people to think differently, to look for solutions in their own life. Uh, let's get to some phone calls before we have to get to a break. Let's start off in Boston. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Nice opening, by the way. Hey, um, I'm a little embarrassed, but I'm still trying to pay my estimated taxes for the first quarter. I had some technical difficulties, and then when I went in to pay it, I got confused. And I wanted to okay. make sure, having not done it before, that I'm doing it Right. My husband gets credit that the taxes got paid, the business is getting credit, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing that threw me off is when it goes to verify who I am, it doesn't offer 2015. It only gives me 14. I was unmarried. It didn't have a business. But is that just, and I'm smart, but I'm just being overcautious, I think. Is that just verifying that I am who I say I am and it's not going to throw things off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, and it, then, it is. Let me uh, let me get to a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about this. And and don't feel uh, well. Don't just feel on this one because the IRS confuses everything. I, I've tried to figure out an easy way to tell people about estimated taxes, but honestly, there are so many variables that can come into this that it gets pretty confusing on the air. Even, but we'll straighten this out. For you right after this break. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Robinson.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to head back to Boston. I was talking to Cheryl. Uh, yeah, Cheryl, there's a ton of fraud in the IRS, so they're a little paranoid about trying to uh, verify somebody's identity. And the other thing about the years, don't get too worried about this. I, I will say that the one thing I will credit the IRS about in my experience is when you send them money, even if you get the details wrong, they're pretty good about keeping the credits and everything straight in your account. I've never really had a problem. Um, once you send them money, it's usually pretty easy to get it put where it needs to go. Okay. All right. So um, even though like my husband's social security number won't be involved in the payment, so long as when we go to file our taxes, that those payments get referenced somehow? Yes. Are, because they're going in under your social security number, right? They are. They are. And our better revenue yeah. is being, is being uh, associated with our EIN, but the EIN is associated with my social. So it'll all tie together. And as yeah. long as the IRS gets their money every quarter, even though we're a little late, they'll be happy. Possibly. Yeah, it'll be in a couple days late. It's no big deal. Yeah. Thank you as always. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Pennsylvania. Nick, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. I'd like to make a comment on your open. I think people need to pull their head out of their rear end and quit complaining about things in life and learn to do something simple, adapt and overcome. If you have a challenge, figure out a solution. Quit crying about what you can't change and change what you can. You know, and, and to Chris's credit, he brought up a lot of good points, and he actually is doing something about it. He thinks that the brokers in his segment, he was an auto hauler, are taking too much profit, and he's starting a brokerage, and he's going to try to hold the 10% profit. More power to him. He's out doing something to fix the problem. Exactly. He's making the best out of a bad situation. And that kind of brings me to my question. Um, with freight being down, rates being down, I wound up having to sell a truck this last week. And I need to know what to do about the 2290. Do I need to send something into the IRS telling them I no longer have the truck? Do I get a credit back? What do I need to do? Yeah, so we are coming up on 2290 season here not long from now. The um, the season is up on June 30th, so you pay your tax from July 1st through June 30th is the tax time. Um, will you still be filing a 2290 coming up? No. Okay, so... You really don't have to do anything at all. They made some changes recently to the 2290 system again. So I'm trying to figure out if they left the part on the form where you had to close out or you don't have to. Um, I don't think you need to do anything. One of the things you could do is download a uh, 2290 form, the new one. Okay. And... The instructions are there, and they're actually pretty simple. It's not like some tax forms where you get, you know, one page of a document and then 32 pages of instructions. The uh, I haven't dealt with 2290 in a while. We are um, our 
accounting firm, CLA, is actually in the process of trying to become an e-filer. There's only, I think there's only like nine of them in the whole country. And it's a long, drawn-out process with the IRS. But we kind of want to get back into the 2290 thing and help people with that. But I haven't looked at the forms. I didn't look at them at all last year because we didn't do any last year. Um, I would download the form itself, look on the instructions, but I don't think you need to do anything. Okay. Would I be entitled to a small refund since I don't have it, since I've already sold it? Uh, if you know what, I'm not going to answer cause that may be, have been one of the changes, whether or not the credit goes with the truck, they've gone back and forth on this. There were times when okay. you, you could give the 2290 to the next owner and then they were good. Then there were times when you apply for a refund and then the next owner had to start paying the day they got the truck. And as of last year, I don't know if they've made any changes, so I don't want to say. It's the IRS, okay. and every time I think I know an answer, if I haven't looked it up recently, I, I just try not to answer. And I haven't looked at that one in a while. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. Have a wonderful day. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Texas. Eric, welcome to the program. How you doing today, Kevin? Doing great. What's on your mind? Yes, I have one quick question of debate with myself on how good fuel economy and the truck that I have. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, but I just want to ask you, uh, what's the difference between horsepower and torque? And when you go up hills, how do you go up hills? Do you go up hills with your foot halfway to the floor so you can use your torque? Or do you go... You go up the hill, letting your foot off the throttle, and you know downshifting, and you know whatever gear gets right. you up the hill without using all your fuel. Which one is the best way to do it? Well, this is a really good question, and it, this isn't a simple answer. Um, this is kind of an art and a science to really getting good fuel economy in the hills, and it's why we developed our scan gauge. Do you have one yet? Yes, I have one. And, so uh, the scan gauge up, is going to be your best tool. Okay. And I can give you some tips so that you can play around with it, but watching the scan gauge when you try different things is the only way you're going to really know what works. Because if we look at a typical run – you might spend less than 10% of your time climbing hills. And when we try to track fuel mileage on one tank, it's really hard to pick out were we doing it right or not. But when we watch the scan gauge, we know immediately what's working. So, but I'll give you a, a general idea. We don't want to go up a hill in cruise control, first of all. We don't want to go up a hill with our foot mashed to the floor we want to get right, into a gear yeah we want to get into a gear early on that would actually allow us to accelerate so most people run up against the hill hold their foot right to the floor when they're just totally out of rpms they downshift keep their foot right on the floor and they just keep downshifting 
and they keep their foot right on the floor. Well, they probably need to downshift one more gear and they need to do it sooner so that you have some throttle left. And what, what freaks people out about this is they think that they're going up the hill so much slower. Well, if we did the math, worst case scenario, if you went up the hill at 30 miles an hour instead of 40 miles an hour, it might take 15 more seconds out of your day. But it can save a lot of fuel to get down to that gear that has enough power to hold the hill without being flat on the floor with the throttle. So, and then the other kind of a... Oh, go ahead. When when Bruce... Because I listen to the Bruce show, when you have Bruce on, when Bruce says, how much horsepower do you have climbing up a hill... How, what's your what's your boot your boost pressure? This he said about thirty or forty. That'd give you about five hundred horsepower. And he's he always say, with your foot on the on the throttle all the way down to the floor. But I'm thinking like well, you just said, if that go ahead. It, it, and Bruce doesn't believe in climbing hills that way, but that's the only way that we can tell how much boost an engine will produce. So when Bruce is explaining that to somebody, we want to be heavy on a long pull, and we actually do want to put the accelerator to the floor, and that tells us how much boost that engine will produce, and we can calculate horsepower from boost. Okay. Okay, so using the horsepower, using your fuel, but the torque is actually pulling you up the hill. Yeah, and, and, and like I say, Bruce isn't recommending pulling hills like that. Bruce will tell you the same thing. You should be going up oh, okay. that hill at at three-quarter throttle, not full throttle. It's just the only way we can figure out the maximum amount of boost an engine will produce is to put it under its heaviest load with full throttle on a long pull, but he's not talking about how to drive. Now, the other thing, once you're coming to the top of that hill, before you actually crest the top, at let off the throttle before you get to the very peak of the hill, and then let the momentum carry you back down the other side. Keeping safety in mind, we do like to build a little speed on the way back down because that, that's free energy, because it's not using any fuel at all, because our foot should be completely off the throttle on the way down. Again, keeping safety in mind, build some momentum, and then roll back into the throttle on the other side, get down to a gear, keep doing it over and over on the hills. But more importantly, watch that scan gauge and try different things and see what works. I've got to get to a break. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. I'm going to head off to the left coast this time. Brian in California, it's your turn. Well, hi, Kevin. Um, I was uh, looking to get out of the uh, trucking industry, so I have my uh, truck. So instead of uh, selling my truck, I decided to do a GoFundMe page and to give away my truck. And I was kind of hoping you would help me out with promoting the website and to also pick that person to give my truck to. And if you pick that person, then I'll pay for that person to go to your CMC. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that is very, very generous of you. I'd love to see you giving back to the industry that way. So, yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we'll put the Let's Truck Tribe Care team on that, and, and we'll get that done. Okay, do you need to hear the stats on the truck or anything? Or? Yeah, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about it, and then I'll get you back over to Lisa, and we'll work out all the details. Okay, good. It's a 2002 Freightliner with a 2002 Series 60 Detroit, so it's all free emissions. Um, it's a Meritor 10-speed with 373 rear end. And then it also has um, the OPS, Fleet air filter, fast fuel system with the heating element, Pittsburgh power, exhaust, um, exhaust manifold, turbo, and um, muffler. Wow. And XDA, what a, what sorry, a great X, truck for somebody. XDA Energy is on the drives, and XDA 3 Plus on the steers. Still plenty of tread life on those tires. So. That is outstanding. A- am I eligible? Uh, I'm, I'm looking for, a, you know, a, like a first-time owner-operator, somebody yeah. young who's uh, familiar with driving and kind of just, you know, give them that, that start. That Don't have to worry about that first year of truck payments, fighting a truck, and, and learning how to make money and stuff. So, so I just thought that, I'd that, is... that out there. That is so cool. I absolutely want to be a part of this. And and thank you again for giving somebody a start like this. It's just amazing. So uh, I said, Lisa, but I'm going to get you back over to Bridget. She's doing the screening today. We'll get all the details and we'll figure out how we're going to make this work. We'll probably get you back on the show again after we get it all figured out and uh, we'll we'll get this out there. And uh, wow. That that's fun. So thank you again. Let's go to Ohio. Heck, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, uh, I got a tax question. Um, okay. If I filed my LLC. I uh, did it like last month. I got my LLC filed. I got with Marcus, and uh, he's not a hundred percent sure if they actually filed. Attorney filed the paperwork for the uh, sole proprietor with the IRS. Okay. So what I'm asking is, if he didn't, and I still an LLC and all that stuff, that's not going to go into effect till 2017. Is that what I'm understanding? Because I missed the window. Um. So we. So I, I want to be clear on this because this can get confusing. So 
the paperwork Absolutely. was filed to form the LLC, correct? Correct. I have the paperwork on that. I just got to go to the bank and open up my corporate account. But the paperwork, you're not sure if the paperwork was filed to choose the tax form, correct? Correct. I have to, I'm waiting to hear back from the lawyer whether he filed that or not because I didn't get a copy of anything like that with my LLC paperwork. Yeah, so, that, so we're going to have to wait and see. And we may be able to get an exception. How much money did you end up paying tax on profit-wise this year? Oh, I, I, off the top of my head, I'd have to pull my profit gauges up and look. But okay. I, I ended up right. pulling. Uh, I went to uh, Marcus there at Clifton Allen Larson, and I uh, ended up over what I paid in on quarterlies this year. I ended up paying another 13000 in. And he said if I would have been LLC properly, and I would have saved $11,000 in taxes. That, that, and that's the number I was trying to get to. Um, so there's yeah. the answer. So, yeah, we, we want to do everything we can to get this as, a, as an S-Corp for the 2016 tax year. So the, the answer is we've got to wait to hear back from your attorney and then yep. see if we can get this activated before the end of the year. And, and we might be able to. Oh, okay, good, because I know Marcus had told my wife that he said if they don't have it filed, we're going to have, you know, you're going to have to wait till the following year for this to all kick in. And so that's as far maybe as having possible. payroll deduction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, second off, I had a little bump in the road with um, Clifton Allen Larson. There was some stuff going on there. They were very overwhelmed this year with all the stuff, but I got a hold of Aaron over here, over at, you know, Let's Truck, and you guys over there, my, my wife talked to Lisa, and we got it all smoothed out. Everybody was very prompt and courteous and quick. I was amazed. Everybody was super great. So, you know, kudos to, to everybody there with the doing the whole tax thing. We got it all squared away, and everybody's happy. So I want to well, give I, them the I kudos am... for well, doing thank the, you for the that. customer thank you service for the part of it. Yeah, um, and, and, and then, you know, I... I, I I said this, you know, all through, I was saying it at the end of last year, saying at the beginning of this year, get in early. I know what tax seasons are like. This is our first time. We want to make sure we provide good customer service. And, and what typically happens is you see the volume coming in, you're handling it pretty well. And then out of the blue, everybody jumps in at the last minute and you don't want to turn people away. And, and we, we actually did have to kind of shut things down towards the end, um, knowing that we just had that kind of volume. So thank you for your patience yeah. on that. And I'm glad and we were able just, to take care and, of it. And I just wanted to throw that out there. So I know there were some other people that had some issues and it, it was just, and they did the right thing. Everybody came back and said, Hey, you know, we had, we had a little bumper road, you know, we're here to Willen, and we want to help you out, and we want to make this all right. So I greatly appreciate that. And I got one other thing. Good. Yeah. I bought a Bose Ride seat. My wife actually bought it for me for Christmas. And everybody's talking about, you know, they don't know whether it's worth it or not because it's initially it's $6,000. That's the price point. But if you're an OID member, they knock a grand off. And if you're uh, a veteran, they knock another grand off. So it's $4,000 plus shipping. Amazing. I get in this thing and I work for 10 hours a day and I get out of the seat and I'm like, okay, where's the next 10 hours? I don't even need to sleep. Let's go. It's 
It, it, Amazing. My back, I get out of bed, I go home for the weekend, my back's all sore from sleeping in my crappy bed, and I want to go get in the truck to ride my seat so it fixes my back. Amazing. <laughs> Just a great it, thing. And Bose, Bose was so awesome. About a month after I got it installed, they called, they checked in with me, how did the install go, uh, everything, and they even sent me, it's a Bluetooth stereo speaker thing, and it's like a $200 value, and it's this really cool little boombox thing for your, you know, that's Bluetooth. It's just amazing little gift they threw in there, and I had no idea it was coming, and they, they keep in contact with me, making sure everything's great and good to go, and they got interest-free financing for two years. You just can't. I know it's $4,000, but if you're going to drive the it's truck worth, forever in a day, it's worth every freaking penny. I mean, I'm going to, when is, I retire, this seat's coming out, and it's going in my pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, it is worth every penny. And, you know, we probably, Bose is a big company. We probably deal with uh, 20 different people over the years, and I love every one of them. That, that is just an amazing company. Um, they're going to be out at our CMC again this year. They're, they're, uh, they're with us every year, and I'm just looking forward to spending time with them. And thanks for the feedback on the seat. It's so hard to describe to people. You know, people are sometimes used to, you know, the standard truck seat, and then they'll go sit in one of the upgraded truck seats, and they'll say, oh, this is really nice. But you can't compare any of those seats to the side. There's just no way of explaining oh, no way. It's just it's like riding on nothing. It's you just pick it. Yeah. You, you pick your feet up off the floor. Ninety-eight percent of the vibration and the bounce and the the, the washboard in the road. Except I come run up and down out of Detroit all the time, and that seventy-five coming out of Detroit into Ohio is horrible. I get my truck. I don't even realize the truck's falling apart around me, but the, I'm just sitting in the seat, happy as can be, and they're barely even moving. Amazing. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for the feedback. I really appreciate it. That's how we get better at what we do. I'm going to get to a break, and we'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothford. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to the calls. Let's head off to Kentucky. Ken, welcome to the program. Hi there. How are you doing today, Kevin? Fabulous. Good. Opening. What can I help you with? Um, Thank you. Well, to start on your opening, uh, you tell everybody exactly how to earn more money at the end of every show. Do the hard work. If they want to earn more money, <laughs> do the hard work. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I, I, and again, I loved Chris's conversation. He made a lot of great points. He was out trying to solve the problem. Um, but, but the line, and, and I think it, it got him as well when I said, 
you know, you've got to find a way to beat the brokers then and go directly to the customers. And he says, well, that's really hard. Yeah, I know. That's the whole point. <laughs> but uh, 19 days till uh, the wonderful CMC. Can't wait. I know. It's getting and, close. Uh, I'm excited. I'm counting them down. Uh, Good. Does a 2001 Mac have a bull gear? No, I cannot find anything on the internet. Okay. Nope, it it, it doesn't. There are some gears. Every engine has some gears up in the front cover, but that engine does not have a bull gear. Okay. What would cause, and I've never seen this before, uh, exhaust studs to actually back out, not break off, back out? Um, I had two of them back out. Crankshaft damper could do that. Okay. Uh, So when the crankshaft damper wears out, which they all do, they last about five years. Um, It's not really a mileage thing as much as an age thing, even if you let a new truck sit for five years. Uh, Because inside that crankshaft damper is silicon. And silicon just hardens over time. And when it hardens, it can't absorb that torsional force anymore and that force gets spread all throughout the engine. So it can break brackets. It can be hard on clutches and transmissions. It can vibrate bolts out. So any time we see a truck that is having that kind of an issue, which is, is some sort of vibration causing that bolt to back out, the first thing we do is replace the crankshaft damper. Now, there could be other problems, but that one we know needs to be fixed. If that crankshaft damper is more than five years old, and almost every truck on the road more than five years old hasn't had the crankshaft damper replaced, that's where we start because it will smooth out the engine. Now, has the engine been rebuilt ever? I doubt it. I don't think so. It's only got 780,000 on it right now, and it's a Mac, and it runs fabulous. It's just, yeah. Uh, I've had no problems with the oil samples since I've had it. I've only had it since September, and we've been, it's just certain things that keep popping up, little things keep popping up wrong. And because, like, and I thought I was over the hump, and March I did some uh, preventative stuff by changing the carrier bearing that was starting to wear some and changing a couple of the, uh, like, the steering U joint, things of that sort uh, that was wearing out. And then uh, in April, I put a hole in, or somehow the, the gas tank strap put a hole in my tank. So I've bypassed it, and I have to get a tank, and then these bolts popped out. Uh, yeah. Going down yeah, the, I, I would, yeah, and that, that took, took all would, my turbo away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on a 44,000-pound load, that wasn't that fun. No, that's not fun. The, the one thing we don't want on a turbocharged engine is an exhaust leak. Um, I would replace the crankshaft damper and put on the balancer and see if that takes care of it. There's a good chance it will. Okay. Because uh, I'm figuring that the, the gas tank was also from vibration also uh, because yep. it's right where the strap is at. Yep, uh, exactly. And the, ru- the, rubber, the rubber was gone, and, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, th- those two things popping together just kind of, put it in my mind that it had to be something in a vibration. Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of stuff we see 
that most shops and mechanics will just say, well, it's an old truck that's going to happen over time. That's not true. And, and when you tell them crankshaft damper, they're like, look at it. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, yeah, it's not broke. Um, I, I, I've seen trucks go 2 million miles without changing one. It, but you're going to have those kind of little nagging problems. And it kind of wears on you after a while when you're driving a truck like that. You know, it's, we just talked about the Bose ride seat. They didn't spend most of their time when they engineered the seat to try to figure out how to cushion really big bumps. They spent most of their time trying to figure out how to counteract vibration because it's vibration that wears you out all day long. So get that crankshaft damper replaced, put on the balancer, and I think you're going to see a huge improvement in that kind of stuff. We're going to head to Arizona. Frank, it's your turn. Hey, Kevin. Hi. Uh, I was listening to the alignment show last night, and I lost the call right at a critical moment. But the the driver that called in, I seem to have the same problem that he articulated. And they started to say something about wheel bearings as a, as a possible cause. The, I, on, a, on a level, smooth, brand-new rubberized road at, at, at maintaining speed, I, my my wheel, uh, you know, steering wheel, and everything is smooth as glass. If I have, if I start to apply even slight fuel to to go up an incline, or let off, coming kind of down an incline, I start to get a kind of a up and down, you know, uh, thump like bum 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 bum, and it it levels back out. And that was what the other driver was talking about, and they were started to say something about wheel bearings. I don't know if you know where that would head or uh, not. Yeah, uh, not as specifically as they would. That's why I love the fact that we have that show now on Sunday nights because those two are so good at this kind of stuff. But I, I can give you my best shot. Um, we do know that about 80% of the trucks on the road have misadjusted wheel bearings. It's that common. Uh, Mike Beckett's done this over and over and over. He'll go through a whole fleet of trucks, and eight out of ten have the wheel bearings misadjusted. It's really common in the industry that guys just aren't doing this right when they do. Um, And many times nobody even bothers to check. And and most of the time you're not going to see any crazy you know, symptoms of this. You'll get some irregular tire wear. You might get what you're talking about. A lot of drivers just put up with it. But get to a good MD alignment shop. Do you ever get through Kansas City? Not anymore. I'm pulling now. And the only, I'm regional out of Phoenix, down to San Diego okay. and the border. And you know, I don't get back to Either um, check MD alignment's website or call them. I'm, I wish I could remember. It seems to me like there is a really good MD alignment shop down in that area somewhere. I just can't remember oh, wow. who it was. Yeah. Um, it, and they are really good at knowing how to adjust wheel bearings properly. Um, have you had any issues with um, uh, ABS lights at all? <laughs> uh, one Recently, I got a violation. I got I got pulled in and uh, for an inspection roadside at the Yuma Chicken Coop. What the ABS light wouldn't work, and what it was is a blown fuse up under the 
uh, okay. engine cover. What, one of the other things we see is pretty common. If the wheel bearing is loose enough, it'll keep triggering a lot of ABS lights. Yeah, now that it's I not, don't have. Uh, matter of fact, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's not a slam dunk. Not every loose wheel bearing will cause it, but if it's loose enough, it, it will cause it. So when we see both, then we almost know for sure. But you could, it, it's always worth checking wheel bearings. Uh, it doesn't take that long if you have a good shop that knows how to do it right. And if it's loose, it will eventually cause tire wear issues as well. Well, uh, that's a great suggestion. I didn't think of that. I can go on the website, check. I do, uh, about you know, every other week, I do run uh, Flagstaff on I-40 all the way to Oklahoma City. I'm sure I can get near something that's that's MD. Yeah, it it seems to me like I, I had this conversation a couple months back, and we had a couple people uh, send me emails uh, I was trying to look through my notes here, but I have a hard time trying to talk and look at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> But if, if you call them, um, they can tell you, or you can, you can find all of the MD alignment shops registered on their site. That doesn't mean that they're all really good. Unfortunately, some people buy the equipment, go through the training, and then they're just kind of mediocre. There are some really, really outstanding shops. My favorite is Chad in Kansas City. But I, I'm yeah, just sure. thinking yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking that somewhere recently we talked about one in Arizona. Might have been Phoenix. Um so check that out. I'll go through my notes and uh if I can find something I'll uh post it on Facebook or talk about it tomorrow on the show or something. Uh, there's the music. That means I've gotta get out of here. These hours at night just fly by. But thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work. And master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.